Welcome into the Palmetto Family Matters show. This is a special edition of the show. We're having our candidate conversation series as we speak with candidates who are running for president of the United States. And that election, of course, will be held in 2024. We've got debates coming up in just a couple of weeks. We've got primaries. We've got caucuses in Iowa, New Hampshire, and, of course, right here in South Carolina. As we've told you time and again, the road to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue runs through the Palmetto State, and we are excited to be joined by Senator Tim Scott of the great state of South Carolina. Senator, how are you today? Well, Justin, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. I am thanking the good Lord that I'm a South Carolinian and that 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue does indeed run through South Carolina as it has for, I think, every single Republican nominee, save one, since 1980. That and and that's right and that's right. South Carolina punches well above its weight class, as we like to say around here, when it comes to presidential politics. And so, what we're doing here on the show, by the way, just a brief disclaimer: we have requested interviews with every single candidate for president of the United States, and that includes the sitting president of the United States. I look forward to hearing from my favorite press secretary at the appropriate time. We'll see if they respond. But, Senator, we got you on here. Just going to ask a few questions. I know you're on the road. You're campaigning. Uh, you're doing the hard work it takes to to win elections. So we'll, we'll jump right in here. It, you know, when President Biden announced that he was running before the 2020 election, he pointed to a few specific things as to why he wanted to run for president. And while those might be founded in a bit of some hinky reasoning, what are one or two reasons why you chose now as the time to run for president of the United States? Well, I believe, Justin, that America can do for anyone what she has done for me. Uh, My story of overcoming obstacles like a single-parent household, like poverty, is something that I believe actually disrupts the lies of a progressive movement that wants us to focus on victimhood and grievance. And I believe that the Lord does not waste a single characteristic that he gives you. He bestowed upon me characteristics today, I think, that are incredibly helpful to disrupting the narrative that somehow this nation is a nation in decline and that the best years are behind us. I can say emphatically that the exact opposite is true with a change in leadership. You can find that in Proverbs 29, too, that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And when evil is in authority, the people groan. I want to make sure that I focus my attention on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and to share my story, how through grace, mercy, and the great people of South Carolina who mentored me, I find myself being able to tell the story of American success and evolution, the success of our heart change and the evolution that is palpable in the hearts and minds of the American people. And and many in South Carolina, Senator, know you, of course, as senator. And uh, when you were appointed to that position by then-Governor Haley, who will be joining you on that debate stage in just a couple of weeks, and, and, and since then you've subsequently won some elections yourself, how would you yeah. use that experience in the Senate when it comes to being president of the United States? 
You know, one of the things, uh, one of the first things I would do as president of the United States is to continue to push the legislation that I sponsored as a senator to close our southern border, starting specifically with the fentanyl issue. Just recently, the United States Senate passed my legislation to target the Mexican cartels that are bringing fentanyl across our southern border and ports of entry. As president of the United States, I would expand the authority around legislation just like that to finish the job of stopping the Mexican cartels in their tracks so as to save more than 70,000 American lives on an annual basis. Second thing I would do is I would look at legislation I was also fortunate to pass as a senator and make sure that we continue to expand the approach that China is an existential threat to our nation and to target all of the tentacles within our sovereign territory that leads back to the Communist Chinese Party. As an example, the Senate just passed my legislation that would help us find out how much money, how many millions of dollars has the People's Republic of China and their military invested in the colleges and universities of America. We don't know their influence. It is time for us to stop them from spying on our kids, buying our farmland, and stealing our intellectual property and our supply chain. It's certainly those are some major issues uh, that you bring up, and that kind of does a great job of leading me into my next question for you. Because uh, for those of us who host talk shows like we have here on the Palmetto Family Matters show, the strongest and fastest growing conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, we Love talk. It. I, that's a good tagline, and I like it a lot. We we focus on a couple of different things, and whether that's economic and foreign diplomacy issues, whether we're talking about the economy, inflation, Biden. Economics, I call it Bidenflation, stagflation, Ukraine, China, and then, of course, issues that would be considered, quote, social issues, uh, issues like education, issues like uh, pro-life issues or transgenderism. When you're running a campaign, when you're campaigning for president and you're speaking to folks in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then, of course, beyond that, how do you strike that balance in addressing those issues of foreign diplomacy and economic issues, as well as the social issues that I believe conservatives have long since lagged behind on and, and need to be playing from the front again? Well, Justin, it's a wonderful question and an important question because what you just asked was how do you be authentic and sincere to multiple audiences in different places with different opinions? Mm -hmm. I think Ephesians 4.15 speaks to that. It tells us to speak the truth in love. And so what I try to do, no matter where I am, is to be clear, to be consistent, and to be uh, undeniably conservative. It's who I am. And so whether I'm in New Hampshire or Iowa or at home in South Carolina, the one thing you'll find within my messaging strategy is just authenticity. I'm going to say sincerely that transgender ideology is ruining women's sports and that if God made you a man, you should play sports against men. I'm going to say with clarity that I have a 100% pro-life voting record. I'm 100% conservative as it relates to life issues. And as president of the United States, I would stop the radical left from having abortion on demand and have a litmus test or set a limit 
on the number of weeks that someone can have in this nation, even though the Dobbs made it more into a state issue, but because of the radical left and the Democrats in the Senate who've already voted for abortion on demand, I would set a limit, a national limit. I've said I've advocated for 15 weeks, but I celebrate the culture of life being created in places like Iowa and South Carolina and beyond. Uh, I would also be very clear and honest that it is in America's national vital interest for the degradation of the Russian military. And it is coming at a very high price, the price of blood of the Ukrainians willing to lay their lives down for their country. With our resources, our technology, and our weaponry, we can actually degrade the Russian military that is an existential threat to the homeland. By doing so, we only not only safeguard NATO territory contiguous with Ukraine, we also strengthen and protect the homeland. And finally, I would talk very specifically about the culture of grievance and this sense of quicksand that we're experiencing because of the culture of victimhood that is spreading like a cancer throughout this country brought onto us, mostly, but not completely, by the radical left. And so talking authentically and sincerely about those issues is the only way to campaign in any state is to campaign only as yourself. It's certainly the case, and I think voters, people in general, but certainly voters can see authenticity, and we know it when we see it. Education, yes, education's been central uh, to your time in the Senate and beforehand, Senator. And anyone who's anyone who's listened to you speak, education comes up quite frequently, early and often, as some might say. Uh, how would you? Why is it such a focal point for you? And how would you address our nation's education system as president? Well, thank you, Justin, for one of the, the, the monumental issues that I face as a as a human is that. As a kid who grew up in poverty in a single-parent household that I've already uh, mentioned, I went to four different elementary schools by the fourth grade. There's a transient nature in, in poverty. One of the things the federal government and state government can do is to equip our kids with the strongest, most powerful force for good from the government. That would be a quality education. Unfortunately, too many places, too many zip codes are failing to do so. So as president of the United States, I would allow the two major pots of money, both the Title I and Title II dollars, Title I for poor kids, Title II for special needs kids, to be uh, backpackable, as I like to say. Another word for that is portable, allowing kids to take their federal dollars wherever they go to school. We only provide 10% of the education dollars from the federal level. I would starve the rest of the Department of Education and make sure that the states get to keep more of their money to make more of their decisions. That's in the best interest of the kid, and it gives the parents a choice. When parents have a choice, the kid has a chance. That is not a political issue. That is an issue of surviving in the greatest country on earth. And if you get a good education, you don't survive. You thrive. And Justin, the good news in our nation is that we've made so much progress on race relations in this nation, that the future will not be defined by the color of your skin. Rather, it will be defined by the quality of your education. Let's make sure that every kid in rural Iowa, rural South Carolina, or the inner city of our nation is equipped with a quality education. And I think having a quality education goes a long way to fulfilling that idea that we will become a more perfect union. And you, and you, 
uh, illustrated that quite well in, the, in between the commercial breaks on The View a couple weeks ago. From, from the launch of your campaign until now, what's been, what's been the most memorable moment for you? Now, I'll never forget this young lady, about 90 years old, in her wheelchair uh, at an event in Council Bluffs, Iowa, sitting in the front row. Uh, she came out to see if I was the real deal as she said it. Uh, she wanted to know whether or not she, should, she was there to investigate me, so to speak. And at the end of my uh, town hall, uh, I, I walked over to her, kneeled down, and, and thanked her for coming. And, and she said with clear-eyed and quite lucid, I didn't know who I was going to support. But I believe your heart is good. What you said was pretty good, but your heart is good. I'm going to support you. And I just thought to myself, people wonder how good America is. We can see the goodness of America through the eyes of a 90-year-old woman trying to make a decision to make the country better, even though her time may be limited on earth. She wants a better America for her kids and her grandkids and her great-grandkids. That's a responsibility that we should take seriously. And she reminded me, I'm not running for president to be president. I'm running for president to fulfill a mission of making America the strongest, most powerful country on earth. The beacon of love in the midst of darkness. The city on the hill. And that, and that's and that's a moment that I don't know if I've I've heard that I, that might have been recent I'm not sure that that's one question I'm looking forward to hearing from a lot of folks because it it dives into the issue of of why you're running and what the intention is and so folks that's Senator Tim Scott he's running for president of the United States of course our senator from the state of South Carolina and we are Senator at Palmetto family we are proud of the stand that you take for life and family, biblical values inside the United States Senate. It's always a joy when you pass through the Palmetto State on the campaign trail right now. When you're here, uh, normally it's always a joy to catch up with you as well. Folks, if you want to learn more about what we're doing here at Palmetto Family when it comes to these candidate conversations, you can do so by visiting palmettofamily.org. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating or review. Of course, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you share this with your friends and family. Again, we're giving you exclusive access to every single candidate who will come on the show with us as they talk about why they're running for President of the United States. And hopefully, these conversations shed a bit more light than you might get on that five- or six-minute CNN or Fox News news hit every night during the weekday. Senator, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. And your, your listeners can go to votetimscott.com for more information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate it. Again, we'll talk to you all again next time right here on the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show.